you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and get that out and uh, find the book of John chapter 12, John chapter 12, and I want to continue today with a series I've been teaching called Rich in God, all right, Rich in God. As a reminder, this is the fifth part, so this will connect to part four, three, two, and one. What I said before brings context to what I'm saying today. Don't want to uh, uh, give the impression that this is standalone because these subjects can be taken out of context and misunderstood and misapplied, and I don't desire that anyone would do that. For one, I don't like to be falsely accused (laughs) of saying something I didn't say. More importantly than me, though, is don't take the Lord out of context. So... uh, uh, rich in God. I am talking about material riches, but you can't really talk about that in, in spiritual circles without talking about spiritual riches being a part of that because that's always the main thing. But I do want to deal with the natural side of this. The motive of our hearts is huge with God. It really is. Uh, what, what, what drives you? What's your focus? What do you get up in the, in the morning to do? Uh, that's pretty important. Prosperity is a blessing from heaven. Uh, but greed is not. Uh, materialism is not a blessing from heaven. You know, covetousness is something we should run far away from. And we all have to keep our eye on the ball in order to not fall into the traps that those things present, yet still enjoy and utilize the blessings of God. I, I shared with you previously about uh, what the, the scriptures call a storehouse. All right, in Deuteronomy 28 is one place. A storehouse, how God would bless an individual's storehouse. That is a good thing, okay? However, laying up treasures on earth so we could be independent and not trust God, not a good thing. It is possible to take these things, these biblical uh, declarations, and turn them just enough to where we're no longer in relationship with him. We're all of a sudden relying upon ourselves and our, our ability and what we've laid up instead of trusting him. And that's what we want to avoid, all right? Also, one of the things I said to you was, was that we should avoid setting up these artificial limitations on what God would be for and not against. Uh, in other words, when, when, when a person takes the position that you can't have X, fill in the blank, well, where do you draw the line there? Back, you know, with less or more, who decides that? Can you have two pairs of socks? Or you just got to have one? You know, is it okay? Would it be okay? And if you can have two, can you have 30? Uh, uh, who am I to say? Some of you don't do laundry, and so you need 30, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but you understand what I'm saying. I, I'm not going to artificially just set, set limits on socks or cars or houses or toys <laughs> or anything else that the Scriptures don't, don't say. The Lord never said, yeah, you can have one of these, but these you can have two of, and this you can have five of, but this you can't have any of. I think it's all dependent on what's in your heart. It's your relationship with God. Work it out. And uh, we're not into the business of, of judging everyone else. But I do want to think like God thinks. 
That's my goal for my personal life and for our church. We want to think like he does regarding material things, the motive, the purpose, the reason, and the blessing, of course. In John chapter 12, we have a, a, an interesting example that, that can play into this. It says in verse 1, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, where Lazarus was, I forgot the word was. Verse two, uh, there they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Okay, so Mary did this, and uh, you'll read in some places that this was a year's wages. When it says very costly, a year's wages. So maybe you just want to apply your own annual income and say, okay, this is some pretty nice spikenard right here. <laughs> some pretty expensive stuff. And what did she do with the year's wages? She poured it on Jesus, poured it out. And uh, you can see how that rubs some people the wrong way, right? If you were in there, would it rub you the wrong way? You don't have to confess that. Uh, but some people are like, oh, wait, 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 you can't spend that much on that. What a waste, okay? But watch, I want to catch the Lord's heart versus what sometimes greedy people think like. All right, uh, it goes on to say in verse four, but one of his disciples Judas Iscariot, you might want to remember which disciple, <laughs> Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Okay, so notice who had a problem with this expensive pouring of oil on Jesus, okay? Notice it wasn't Jesus who said, you shouldn't have done that to me. You should have sold that and given it to the poor. It was Judas who said that. So I wanna make sure in my judgments of how people spend money and what things cost, I wanna lean towards Jesus and not Judas. Don't you think that would be a good idea? <laughs> In this situation, Jesus didn't have a problem with it. In fact, if you read further, you'll see Jesus emphasized that you're always going to have the poor with you. It wasn't that Jesus didn't care for the poor, that he didn't give to the poor. He did those things, right? He gave us an example, a model for us to live by today. We should do these things, but slow your horses down when you're ever tempted to say, waste, waste, waste. Okay, waste is a real thing and it's, it's something we don't want to do, but it, apparently we can misjudge as Judas did and call things waste when the Lord says this was a good thing. I can't believe you spent this much money on this. Well, what does the Lord think about it? That's what I want to know. Everybody okay with this? Uh, I don't want to be like Judas because he was a hypocrite. And you'll find many times that's the case nowadays. When someone is saying excess, 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 that's because they want the money themselves. Judas, that's why he wasn't really, he didn't really care for the poor, did he? 
He wanted to stick his hand in the box, take a little for himself. And that's why he was so upset with seeing all this money go down the drain, so to speak, all right? What might seem excessive in one place often is very average in another. I remember reading a few years ago about a, a particular area, particular city in California, and the article stood out to me because what it was saying was that the median income was over $400,000 a year. It was basically explaining if you make you know, less than that, you're kind of falling behind in this area. And I thought, wow, most places in the country, you're pretty comfortable at 400 and something thousand dollars a year, but not there. It's all relative. Everybody with me? I'm just saying it's not up to us to say two pairs of socks, 10 pairs of socks, this kind of vehicle, this, these kind of clothes, this kind of spike nard, <laughs> uh, whatever the case is. It's about the heart. Keep your heart right with God. Put him first in your life and then let things flow. I mean, let the blessing of God flow to you, flow through you. Um, there, there is the storehouse that we were speaking of before and how our process should be um, we work or however your money comes to you. You know, you work and then you give and then you save and then you spend, all right? What is common amongst those who are not really conducive to the blessing of God, it's just get it, spend it get it, spend it, and they are interrupting God's plan of blessing. There are those who make significant money, have great income, but if they were to lose one paycheck, they're in trouble because they're just, they've, they've exercised their habits to a point where they had never have any storehouse, never any excess, never any abundance, and I'm telling you that the Lord does not want that to be the case in your life. If, if you drive somewhere, I th I'm thinking about different areas of, of abundance, or we might say margin. It, don't most of us, when we drive somewhere, we don't plan it, so we're going to run out of gas right as we get there, or roll into the gas station, maybe have to push it the last couple of feet, and think, boom, no waste. I'm not one of those excessive people who have like half a tank left. <laughs> They're just crazy way out there. They don't love God like I do. <laughs> no, we wouldn't think that way. Uh, I know with, with flying, there, there's rules. You know, when you fly from one point to another and file a, you know, a flight plan, depending if it's IFR or VFR, but if you're flying in where you can see, you have to have 30 minutes of excess fuel past your point of destination. And that's one of the, what's one of the rules. And uh, obviously you can't pull over. <laughs> uh, but what, what might happen? Well, you might get to the airport and something's happening there. Maybe there was a, an accident and you can't land. What are you going to do? Or maybe winds that you didn't prepare for are in your face, stronger headwinds, and you're burning up fuel. You plan with excess in mind. Well, I'm not going to need that. And you know, 99.9% .9 of the time, you don't need it. But it's when you do. And so it's not considered uh, irresponsible to have excess fuel when you're flying. I, I know in driving, when I was uh, growing up, I had a friend who would always just put like, like two or three bucks of gas in his car. And uh, 
I understand if that's all someone has, you got to do what you got to do, but it always was annoying. Every time you have to go anywhere, you have to stop and get gas. You know, there's a tank there. It holds more than you need for any given trip. Put extra in there. I know some of you, some, I'm probably getting some wives that are doing this to their husbands, you know. I've definitely done that on the freeway. We can make it. We can make it to the next one. <laughs> And we always do. <laughs> but in life, whether you're driving your car or other things in life, how, how many think you should keep your marriage tank full? You know your marriage has a tank? Yeah, a tank of goodwill. <laughs> Some people live, they live in their relationships and they're one fight away from divorce. I mean, no, that's not wise. Not wise. What, do you, what should you do? Keep the love tank full, you know? Do good things. Say good things. Show kindness and, and, and generosity and all this stuff. Keep that tank full. That way you can have a, you can have a fight anytime you want. <laughs> and, and, and it won't hurt you, right? No, don't, not, that's not the reason, but... <laughs> but. But on a serious note, some people, they're just so close to the edge. Live with margin, live with things full so you can handle a failure if you do. I don't mean we, we expect that, but you can handle it. One bad choice is not gonna ruin you. One off day is not gonna ruin you. We wanna live with excess, with this margin in our lives. You wanna do it with your prayer life, okay? Don't, a wise person doesn't go days and days without praying. I'm talking about a believer now who knows better. You have a real relationship with God. You just don't ignore him for days and days. You're going to run into trouble, right? Keep that thing alive. Keep it fresh. That way, if you ever do miss a prayer time or extra time with the Lord, good Christians do that all the time. It's not the end of the world. It's not like if you, you know, if you didn't communicate with your spouse one day, it's over. You were supposed to call me at two. No, you've got the relationship. I mean, you do that with the Lord and you, you stay in a strong place. You know, Acts 6, 8 speaks about Stephen and it says about him, full of faith and power did great wonders and signs among the people. Think about that in context with faith and power. If he was full of it, you could also, it's measurable, so you could also have less faith and power in your life. Stephen kept himself full, full, and God was able to use him. And if you know the story, how many know in a little bit here, he got stoned. He was the first martyr of the church and they stoned him. And at his stoning, before the last rock struck his head, he's seeing Jesus. He's seeing the glory of God. And he said, Lord, don't hold this against these people. They're throwing rocks at you. They're spewing hate. They are cussing you out. And you're saying, Lord, don't hold it against them. How do you do that? I mean, some of us, we can't make it down the freeway without, you know, <laughs> someone cuts us off or does something wrong. We can hardly handle that. He's getting, he's getting killed. And he's saying, don't, don't, don't count it against them. We're saying, Lord, hold this against them. <laughs> See how that person cut right in front of me? Let them remember on judgment day. 
Well, what's the difference? Stephen was full of faith and power, and we've been full of something else. Hallelujah. So extra, margin, abundance. These are the ways that we should handle all parts of our lives, even our schedules. It's a wise thing to have extra time built into your schedule. Don't run yourself... uh, Run yourself out consistently every day, every week, every month. You're going to be in trouble at one point, some point. Anything extra crops up, you don't have time to take care of it. Anything unexpected, you don't have time for creativity. You don't have time to just sit and enjoy and relax and build extra in there. There are days when you fill it up and you don't have time for anything extra, but it's what you do all the time. There's times when we use all of our money. But don't do that all the time. Don't do that as a habit. But if, again, I go back to that because if, if God would want us to have excess faith, excess power, an abundance of, of you know, goodwill in our relationships, what about our finances? Would that be excluded? Have extra in all areas of your life. When it comes to your money, don't you keep an extra dime or you're materialistic. You're just greedy. No, that's not wisdom, and that's not the ways of God. He wants you to have extra in your life. Overflow. Yeah? I don't know why I did this. From a, I never learned it from anybody, but when I was just starting out, you know, in, in adult life before I was married and all that stuff, uh, and I had a very small income, I decided on my own uh, to make my zero 1,000. In my checking account, I didn't want to go down to zero. I wanted to go down to 1,000. And so that takes effort when you don't have a lot of income to do that. And I just thought, well, I don't want to, you know, pay overdraft fees and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to just be living on the edge. I'm going to live down to 1,000. And I made that my zero. And that mentality help, has helped in different situations over the years. Because then if you needed to spend extra... Uh, you could go down to 900 or 800 or whatever you need and then just give attention, bring it back up, uh, up to where it was. But it's that overflow mentality, I think, is really godly. Now, the Lord has ultimate say. He could say, take it all out, and then you do. We've done that before with different uh, savings accounts that we have and gave it all away. But I'm not gonna do that just because, you know, out of habit, I'm gonna do that only by a leading of the Lord. What we've done, Amy and I have done over the years, is, is uh, we didn't you know, really enjoy lots of payments and didn't like car payments and this kind of stuff. So we decided many years ago, let's make a car fund and a vacation fund. And we would funnel money into these accounts just as a normal habit, normal practice. This money goes into a separate account where it takes a little more effort to spend it because you have to go get it, right? Make the transfer. And so we would do that. And so, because we, we had, the, had one car, we were making payments on it, and we were initially thinking, well, we'll get a different one in so many years. And then it was paid off, and we thought, you know, that's kind of nice. Let's not get a new one. Let's make this one last. Let's just, let's stay with this one, and we'll keep putting money. We'll start the car fund, and then a few years, we'll buy one cash. I just like that, Cash. <laughs> it's just a little better. And with vacations, we thought we're always going to want to go somewhere. We need to, as in, especially in ministry, but everyone needs to take a, a vacation 
sometimes. And, uh, and it's going to cost money, especially if you go where we like to go, or at least where I like to go. <laughs> Warm beach. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of a trip. So why don't we put, this is going to be, the, you know, X number of dollars. How much is that a month? Let's funnel that in every month. Let's not spend it. See, wrong thinking. It's a poverty mentality. People think I have a hundred dollars to spend. I get a hundred dollars. I have a hundred dollars to spend. No, you don't. If you get a hundred dollars, you need to start thinking of that as probably at max it's 80. Right? Cause you're going to give your tithe to the Lord. And then you're gonna take another 10% or more. If you, can, if you can bump that down, the more you can bump it down, the better off you are. I get $100, okay, I have 50 to spend. So we'll say, I can't do that. Well, maybe you can't right now, but this is for vision. This is to set our expectations to say, if I will keep something and let the Lord guide me in it, will he bless that? And I see in the word, he will bless that. Instead of me just doing things the way uh, you know, my flesh wants. But let, let's get this. Let me read you a few verses. This is how the Lord thinks. David wrote Psalm 23, verse five, my cup runs over. Not my cup runs dry. With the Lord blessing, my cup runs over. Say, well, that's a waste. Why would you run the cup over? I don't know. Maybe the Lord can't help it. He just likes to bless. He wants to give you an extra, too much. It's his nature. It's like some of you someone, you, someone comes over to your house and you offer them way too much food. Hey, would you like one of these? Would you like another one? Would you like one to take home with you? What is that? That's, that's, that's God. That's a God way to think. It's you bless. You give too much. Well, I don't want that much. I'm gonna get fat. I know, well, you'll have to work that out, that out on your own. <laughs> I just want to offer these things to you. Amen. Mark 6, uh, 43, after Jesus multiplied the fish and loaves. Remember that little boy who had the, had the lunch? He had a multitude there without food. 6:43, And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments, full of fragments and of the fish. So 12 baskets full. Now, if this is a miracle, and it obviously was, this was a multiplication done by God who knows everything. He knows exactly how many people are there. He knows exactly how hungry everybody is. He knows exactly what might fall on the ground or what someone might put in their pocket. He knows it all. Couldn't he have made it down to zero or, or given the kid back exactly what he, get, he had given? He could have. The Lord could have done that. It was just a miracle, so miracles are that easy. And the Lord chose, I'm going to give 12 baskets left over. He chose to run the cup over. He chose to give too much, to have excess. Everybody okay? Uh, in, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus borrowed uh, Peter's boat. He's preaching. The crowd was getting too strong, pushing him back, doesn't want to step in the water. Uh, gets the boat, sit out on the water, and does his ministry. When he gets done, gives Peter his boat back, and he says, why don't you launch out in the deep for a catch? Set, let down your nets. And of course, they had been toiling all night, didn't catch anything. The Lord said, do this. They did it. Verse 7, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both 
the boats so that they began to sink. Wait a minute. This is a miracle from God. Didn't the Lord know how many fish they could handle in one boat? Yeah, he wanted to fill them all up. Get extra boats over here. Let's, 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 let's sink these things if we can. <laughs> Again, I'm telling you that was the Lord's doing. He's the one who gave them too much, more than they needed. Why would God do that if he just wants them to scrape by and just make it through life? That's not how he thinks. If that's not how he thinks, that's not how I should think. I shouldn't think El Chipo, right? Do the minimal. Amen, amen. And then Malachi 3.10 is a popular verse. Uh, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. God's pouring out a blessing. He knows exactly how much room we have. And he says, I see how much room you have and I'm going to overflow your room. No, stop. That's a, that's a, that's a hassle. I'm going to have to find extra rooms. I deal with it. And I know seriously, most of us are signing up for that. Say, yeah, I'll deal with it. I'll figure out how to deal with excess. But God is that way, not to make us money-minded, not to make that the focus, but he want, when he is the focus, we're serving him, he does want to give us too much. Yeah. That doesn't mean that there isn't any discipline on our behalf, on, on our side, okay? When we're, when we're spending, when we're saving, we should do this with intention, seeking God's wisdom. You know, you get young couples, and they're, and, 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 and they're thinking about having, having children, and yet they're living off two incomes. Hallelujah. What should they do? Learn to live off one. Why? Because she's going to want to stay home in a minute with the baby. But, but it's that kind of thinking that keeps people out of trouble. All right, I'll just leave that one alone. Uh, there may be times when in obedience to God... You take steps of faith without margin, okay? I can tell you times in our lives. One is when we moved here to start the church. No excess, just trying to breathe, right? And obeying God didn't have a bunch of extra stuff, okay? Another time is when we, we relocated the church to this facility. Can I tell you for a little bit there? <laughs> no excess, we spent everything we had and all of our savings and we ran things down to nothing just to take a step of faith and believe God and, and we, were, we used it all. We, did, we still gave, by the way. I don't mean that. You never stop giving. We always gave the first tithe. But, uh, uh, but uh, we ran it down to zero and the, Lord, the Lord's blessing came and we don't function that way as a normal rule. You know, our church does not operate on zero, Every week, and if you don't give this week, we might not be open next week. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, even if we were down to zero, I wouldn't say that. I would say the Lord will provide. And, uh, but it's one reason you, you never see a pressure offering around here, right? There no, one's, no one's ever twisting your arm to give, telling you give until it hurts. <laughs> you know, guilt trip for, no, no. Giving is to be done by faith. It is to be done with a willing heart. And so that's why we never put pressure on anybody. But I tell you, as a general rule, we don't function at that, at that, that level anyway because that's not the big picture of what God has called us to do. We use wisdom and have access. 
Amen. I'm just saying we do things, we do what I'm, what I'm preaching, okay? Amy and I do it personally. We do this as a church. I think this is the right way uh, to do life. L- listen to this verse in Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21 and verse 20. It, it reads, there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but the foolish man squanders it. What's in the house of the wise? Treasure. Nice treasure. Desirable treasure and oil. It's in there. Not the house is empty. Not the wise person clears it out every week. No, it exists in the house of the wise. Listen to, listen to the same verse, uh, New Living Translation. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Huh. Easy to read version. Wise people save the nice things they have. Fools use up everything as soon as they get it. That's kind of powerful. That's in the Bible. Do you know that's in the Bible? Wise people have nice stuff. So what I'm endeavoring to do again is balance this with the warnings against covetousness, the warnings against putting our focus on material things and say, okay, both of these words come from God. I need to know how to keep my heart right with him, how to plan for the future, not in fear, but in faith. Not I'm afraid, so I'm hoarding. No, I'm in faith, so I'm preparing. So I'm doing the best I know how with what I have, keeping God first, but using these godly principles, expecting him to bless everything I put my hand to, expecting him to bless my storehouse, and expecting not to live at rock bottom. Amen. And so I think it will be difficult to succeed long-term, even if God is supplying all of our needs, if we don't learn how to not buy everything we see, <laughs> there's always something more. There's always something else to order. That truck will show up at your house every day, <laughs> bringing you a new package. <laughs> I'm not trying to call anyone out on this. <laughs> There's always stuff to buy. (laughs) Amen? But on a serious note, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You know, there are people that go from relative uh, poverty to uh, huge incomes, maybe sometimes via sports. You know, professional athletes, all of a sudden they're bringing in, and some of them do horrible with it. And in a very short period of time, they're broke. It's like, how did you make $20 million in that short period of time and you don't have anything? Because money is easy to spend. Some say, I wouldn't know what to do with that much money. You'd figure it out. <laughs> you can find a way to deal, to deal with this. And so we want to um, uh, control what we buy, yeah? So I have faith in God. I believe in God. I'm sowing my seed. Still, stop spending it all. Stop spending it all. Stop spending it all. Amen. Prosperity is not our focus. It's not our goal in life. Walking close to God is. Fulfilling his plan. Mission is first. Wealth accumulation 
would be second. When Jesus was here, he could have built a financial empire. Couldn't he? He had the wisdom to do it. He knew how to be led by the, uh, by the Spirit. Jesus had the, had the ability to do this, but that wasn't, that wasn't his purpose. So he was rich in fulfilling his purpose, and he lived with every need met. Uh, but we should ask ourselves the questions, again, going back to the main thing, should we take the highest paying job we can get? I always get that silence when I ask a question like that. I'm not sure I should answer that one. Well, I, I would say the, the pay of your job is only one factor. It should not be the only factor. It should not be, I'm taking the highest offer no matter what it is. That's too limited. In fact, really, what would that be being led by? Remember Romans 8 says we should be led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If someone is led only by a number, they are led by money. Yeah, should you take a high-paying job if you can get it? Of course, who wouldn't? But don't let that be the only factor. What about fit? <laughs> what about environment you're going to be working in? Some people, they put themselves in such a bad place. They are surrounded, and their relationship with God goes in the, in the tank because they are so influenced by a, a, a negative environment day after day after day after day. I tell you, there's no amount of money that's really worth that. Okay? But there are other, other factors uh, to, be, uh, to, to consider, you know, schedule, all this kind of stuff. Um, and, and finally, being led by the Spirit. I know people who have moved away uh, to other cities for a great paying job. They leave their church, they leave their friends, and it costs them a lot more than they realized. They got the paycheck, but so many other areas of their life went down. And you can see God would never lead someone to do that. He's not leading you to sacrifice spiritual things or your family for a, you know, an extra $50,000 a year or an extra hundred or an extra five, whatever it is. I'm just saying it's only one of the components and wisdom will recognize I can't let wealth and these things be the primary focus of my life. Amen. Praise God. But I believe he wants to lead us. Now, now if, you're in, if you're in a bad place financially, some of you are, some of you aren't. I, I understand that. Everyone's all over the map. And sometimes people have trouble trusting God because they know the reason they're, they are where they are is because of their own mistakes. Has anybody in here ever, just, I'll just ask, has anybody in here ever made a financial mistake? Can anyone? <laughs> right. Right. Does anyone in here who's of, who's lived for very long, uh, uh, have you ever pondered and imagined in your mind and processed, what if I would have when I was 25 years old, if I would have done this, put my money here, invested in this, bought this property, bought this stock, <laughs> done something different, and you did the math in your head real quick, and then you felt horrible. <laughs> You thought, man, I would be well off today if I had only done... Okay, we all have those stories. We all can think back and think, what if I would have known? I want to tell you that the Lord is merciful, and He's gracious, and He's kind, and, and I just think it's, it's right for us to trust Him because He loves us. He knows a ton. <laughs> he knows the future, 
and he likes us. And he's for us and not against us. So don't beat yourself up over things you've done wrong or debt you've built up or anything like that or missed opportunities. Just say today's a new day. God is for me and not against me. Lord, help me to see it right, to handle it right, to be wise with my finances. I'm gonna put you first in all I do from here forward, no matter what I've done in the past. And then just trust him. Say, Lord, everything's gonna be fine. I'm trusting you. And we're gonna increase. We're gonna go up. We're gonna start living off the top of the barrel instead of the bottom of the barrel. Amen. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Let's pray it together. Say, Father God, thank you. You believe in me like I believe in you. You are for me and not against me. Thank you. I ask you today to guide me by your spirit in regards to my finances and my career and family spending and giving, saving, spending. Guide me. Help me to do it right. Help me to think right, to do things according to your will. And I believe in you. I believe in your your abundance, your plan to prosper. And I will succeed in this life with your help for your glory. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, for every person here, I thank you.